0: chilly. A little cold outside. About to get colder. Yes, it is. And of course, for all of you people who are keeping up with all of the politics and all of the media and all of the Twitterverse and the president and the former president and all that, you see, I lost my faith in media about 10 years ago. We had an ice storm coming through here in Houston and... It apparently happened in lots of cities around the southeast, south, southern, and southeast. Was it that long ago? Was it more like six or seven years ago? Because I remember they they had the reporter out on the street, it with a bucket of water, explaining (laughs) what what happens when water gets below thirty-two degrees and what that means, what it means to (laughs) freeze. And this poor some bitch is. Is standing on a street corner as the temperature is dropping, waiting for a bucket of water to freeze, because the media is just that shitty. So I stopped watching the news. Like I catch, I catch my news in those little like like um, uh, aggregators. That's right. like this is the top news of the day. This is what happened. This is what happened from the conservative side. This is what happened from the liberal side, and. Moving on. <laughs> and you if know, it's more interesting to look into, then I'll look in more deeper. Otherwise, I'm just like, well, yep, president, playing golf, whatever. Like, <laughs> screw it. So what,
1: <laughs> what they really love during these times is black ice. Black ice is a huge thing for reporters in Houston whenever there's going to be an ice storm. They, right. they love some black ice, too. Yeah. They go <laughs> searching for it on the highways, and they throw stuff across it yeah. to, to make it all dramatic about just how bad that black ice... But I remember six seven years ago... Uh, things were shut down for like three or four days. Like freeways were shut. Because I remember they opened up, the the only freeway that you could really get around was the Beltway. So they took away tolls for three days so people could get around town. Everything else was frozen. That was was
0: was seven years ago. Yeah, it was something like that. In February, because I was in Vegas on a work trip. And Autumn, my daughter was only, she was a baby. She she was born in November, November. So she was only a couple months old. And I had to go to Vegas for a week, and while I was in Vegas, they're like, ice storm coming through, and so everybody's freaking out, and like, I remember my, my dad even called, he's like, well, you know, it's freezing in Houston, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, dude, I'm at work. Like, I, I'm i here until they let me go, and right. then I'll figure it out. And uh, then I got here, and um, of course, there's gravel on the roads, and there's, uh, you know, flashing lights everywhere, and, it took me for uh, what normally takes me about half an hour. It took me about two and a half hours to drive home yeah. because I was redirected in every different way. Yeah,
1: the, the city shuts down with, with some ice. That's the only thing that I don't want to have to deal with next week is cause people are panicking. They're, they're they're writing on Facebook, you know, what should I do with my, my, my pipes? There are people that are actually planning on draining even their hot water heaters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, people will go into panic mode big time.
0: So those of you who are not from here, we freak out when it gets cold. But yeah. Then, but then whenever it's like 85 degrees up north and you all start dying from heat exhaustion, we laugh because 85 degrees is a it's a brisk sort of day. Yes. So anyway, for those of you who are new to the show because we are now Legion, and that is the subject of the show is we're glad to be part of the... Podcast network that is Legion, and um, so this is our episode 171. And it's not exactly our inaugural episode for Legion because we were there last week, was whenever we finally got on the network, thanks to Mr. Bo ranzell But um, for those of you who are new because you follow the Legion podcasts, we are going to introduce ourselves um, for
1: other people that are new to the podcast, also on the other platforms,
0: exactly. And so, it is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021, and um, it's cold outside, yeah. and we are Legion. So, without further ado... First, the old business. Okay, and mm-hmm. introducing old business. Old business is this day in horror history, or this day in history if it's just interesting. Maybe, you know, some something's going on. So, um... On this date, we've got a lot of birthdays to celebrate. February 17th is a great day for horror, so we're just going to go in order. But in 1923, Jun Fukuda, who was the director of Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, Son of Godzilla, and Godzilla vs. Gaigan. So um, if you are into Godzilla, the upcoming Godzilla vs. King Kong, who's, who's, who are you betting on? I'm Godzilla. I'm
1: Team Godzilla all the way just from being a youth. To me, (laughs) Godzilla was just the the batter of the two. Yeah. I enjoyed his movies a lot more.
0: So. (laughs) All right. 1925. And we just lost him recently. uh, Mr. Hal Holbrook from the Fog and Creep Show. Yes. He's he's the one that. Delivered a bullet to Adrian Barbeau in one of the best (laughs) (laughs) imaginary scenes in the movie history. And also fed her to Fluffy. Alright, 1936. Cleveland Cleveland Brown's uh, Hall of Famer, Mr. Jim Brown, was born. He was in The Running Man, and he was also in Mars Attacks. um, Walking around punching... Martians in the face.
1: And I grew up watching him in a whole lot of black
0: exploitation films back Hell in the yeah. day, too. He was, he was great. Uh, 1954, happy birthday to Renee Russo. Uh, she was in Outbreak, was her horror claim to fame, which is strangely and pretty prophetic. <clears throat> I mean, COVID wasn't as deadly as the outbreak, but... but it's, it's still relative to the yeah. 1954... We've been talking a lot about this guy on the What's Awesome podcast, but uh, happy birthday to Don Coscarelli, who wrote and directed all four of the first four Phantasm films. He also directed The Beastmaster and Bubba Ho-Tep. Some great movies there, man. Yes. um, You can spend a day watching Coscarelli movies. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty rad. And not
1: get bored. All right.
0: 1962, Lou Diamond Phillips... Uh, he was in the first Power. He was in a couple other horror movies. He's most well known for playing Richie Valens in the uh, La Bamba, and also he was in uh, Young Guns, in yes. Young Guns Two, 1965. Because this guy just kills everything he touches. Happy birthday to Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I've got to admit, it was nice seeing uh, live-action Transformers when it did come out. That was very exciting. The first one, for sure. Just True. it was. All right,
0: 1965, happy birthday to the Creeper, Mr. Jonathan Breck, from Cheaper's uh, Creepers 1 and 2. Yeah. And
1: yeah. 3.
0: And 3. Don't forget about that one. <laughs> People want to forget about it, but it was there. 1970, happy birthday to Mr. Dominic Purcell from Blade Trinity. 1971, Denise Richards, her claim to horror fame as being married to Charlie Sheen, <laughs> but she was also in in uh, was it? Uh, I know you know what you did last summer or something like that. One of them, yeah, yeah. one of those. 1974, Jerry O'Connell from Standby. Yes. News. And
1: many other things. Who so would have cool. known? Well, I like him. Who he known cool. that
0: Vern was going to be the biggest? Of the yeah, he's career. going to be one of the <laughs> longest career. You know, um, 1980, Jason Ritter, son of John Ritter, who was in Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. 1981, and I can't believe I'm saying this name on the show, but she <laughs> just she deserves a credit because she was in House of Wax. But happy birthday to Paris Hilton. Yes. <laughs>
1: You know, I actually never watched that remake, but I picked it up the other day at a thrift store, so I'm going to give it a go. And the, the young lady that checked me out said it's her favorite horror movie, which
0: she either has horrible taste or I've slept on this movie for too long. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. We'll but. see. Um, in 1981, happy birthday to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He was in Halloween H20 and The Dark Knight mm-hmm. um, and my favorite, Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock <laughs> <laughs> Alright We lost on this date In 1968 Donald Wolfel Who was from Blood, Blood the Vampire And some of those Other 1970's Strange horror movies Or 50's and 60's Horror movies Sorry my bad uh, 1990 Mark Clement Who was in Poison Ivy And King Kong Lives uh, 2003 Peter Shrum Who was in uh, Terminator 2 And Demonic Toys uh-huh. A
1: great model of demonic toys, man. And Dan
0: O'Harely from Halloween Three. Yes. We lost on this date in 2005. And movies, the only one that's really of note is House of House on Haunted Hill, the original from 1959. But that is it for the old business. We're going to take a break, and we will come back with the new. I shot him six times! I shot him in the heart! He's not
1: human! Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2 More of the Night He Came Home.
0: Who is it? <laughs> there was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Kind of a joke. I've been triggered
1: treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. <gasps> Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you.
0: <gasps> What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the lord of the dead. and this is New Business.
1: Okay, for uh, for those that are new to the program, of course, this, this uh, segment is New Business, where I come in and talk about current topics. Uh, some horror-related, some pop culture-related, and some just funny shit that we come up with. So, uh, <laughs> hope you guys enjoy it, and stick around after this. <laughs> okay, first off, uh goes out to Mr. Larry Flint, who died at the age of 78. Larry Flint was uh, not only a... Uh, uh, porn <laughs> guy, but he was also a huge First Amendment advocate that did a lot in the uh, in the championing of First Amendment rights. But uh, a lot of people know him from uh, the portrayal by Woody Harrelson in the movie *The People vs. Larry Flint*, which is a great film. If you've never seen it, go check it out, and you will learn a lot about Mr. Larry Flint. He uh, he had been in declining health for a while. He died at Cedar Sinai Medical Center. Uh, he had been paralyzed back in 1986 in an assassination attempt on his life. He, uh, The guy was a fighter, and he was a visionary when it came to the porn industry, for sure. He uh, he did a whole lot in that regard. So if you don't know a lot about Larry Flint, go and definitely check him out. He,
0: uh,
1: He's an interesting story, to say the least.
0: <laughs> I like how you, you use the words... Porn and visionary. In and <laughs> well, it, it's,
1: it's a, <laughs> a think about it. It's, I mean, a multi-billion-dollar industry that it, uh, it's changed and grown tremendously over the years. <laughs> and he was one of the people that kind of made it more acceptable. You know, not just uh, what's his name from Playboy, Kevin Hugh Hefner, <laughs> but Larry Flint. You know, he was he was definitely close to that level of Hugh Hefner when it comes to uh, making it mainstream.
0: Hustler showed you the axe wound. <laughs> why is that girl wounded mom okay
1: next up where is the story that i'm looking for now okay did you see that hbo max is coming out with a scooby-doo spinoff directly involving velma dinkley and her uh basically it's going to go into velma's background and everything and how she grew up, which I find very interesting. Uh, Velma, the the specto smarty-pants from Scooby-Doo, is getting on a spin spinoff series on HBO Max. The character will be voiced by Mindy Kalig. The show has been greenlit for 10 episodes and is being described as an animated series for adults.
0: I have mixed feelings on this one. I've said many, many times on this show and others that Scooby-Doo is pretty much where I got into... It's a gateway for horror. It got into horror. And, you know, it's like you had the Scooby-Doo from the the late 60s into the 70s, and then it's been rebooted and and redone and extended many times. And it seems like every time they do it, it becomes more and more cynical, more uh, self-referential, and it just kind of seems to poke fun of itself in kind of an unkind way. And so, like, my daughter got on to Scooby-Doo and she was watching, like, the most recent series. And it was, like, it was, it was it was crappy. Because it was, like, the girls were just, like, boy crazy. Like, Velma and Daphne were just, like, fawning over the guys. And the guys just couldn't care less. And it was just the same episode over and over again. And it was just crappy. So, I don't necessarily have high hopes if that's the same direction they're going in. Like, I'll give it a shot. But, um mixed feelings too not only was velma our uh gateway into horror but velma was our gateway into like tying chicks up too yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you know if they have some of that stuff in there that might be interesting (laughs) (laughs) okay next
1: up we've actually spoken about this woman on the podcast more than once and uh we knew where she was just by talking to our friend, Amir Katik, uh, who uh, who has met her a few times in his work at the Edwards Movie Theater, but Shelly Duval has popped up again for an exclusive interview with The Hollywood Reporter, which you can find online, and I'm going to post this up to the Scary Dads Haunted Forum, which is our Facebook page for all you out there if you want to check it out. Uh, it's a great, great article. I highly recommend everybody check it out. Uh, Sally Duvall, since she left L.A., she's kind of been hiding out in the uh, the hill country of Texas. And she did pop up, I think it was in 2016 maybe, on the Dr. Phil show, in a absolute horrendous episode of that garbage television where he made her just look like a psychotic. And, and he got ripped apart for even bringing her on that show in the state that she's currently in. Uh... Shelly Duval as many of you may know she's uh, mentally she's not in the best state of mind and hasn't been for a long time but she's been out in the hill country there, there's a beautiful picture of her smiling she uh, apparently she's enjoying life uh, in the article the reporter actually meets meets her for breakfast at a small hill country restaurant and the people the people there love Shelly Duval they they actually at one point tell the reporter, uh, we take care of the people we like around here, and we love this woman. And, uh, you know, be careful with her. Don't, don't don't make this article look stupid. But he goes through her life and times. Just, it's a great, great article. And like I said, look for it on The Hollywood Reporter if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, the locals, uh, they look at Duval more of an eccentric aunt than a faded movie star. She's just a regular person out there that they love to death. But it's great for some insight as far as where she's been. How she's been feeling, uh, it's pretty neat. And we've talked before about how it would be so great to meet Shelley Duvall because Mm -hmm. of her iconic role, of course, in The Shining uh, as Wendy Torrance. Uh,
0: Popeye. Uh, Yeah, her role That was one of the first movies I saw in the theater. I mean, I was a little kid, but I remember that octopus scene. like Oh, yeah. You know.
1: And she goes into a little bit about Robin Williams and just just so many things. But uh, definitely... Check out this article. It goes through her life, the people that she's dated in her past. Uh, you know, it's it, it's pretty cool. It's good to see that she's, she seems to be doing well where she's at. And uh, they don't give the actual city where she's living in, of course, because they don't want people bothering her. Uh, but yeah, so check that out on The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Shelly Duvall is popping up and surfacing once again. And next up, uh, <clears throat> we've got a Will Greenlee. Nice. And for those that don't know, uh, one of the uh, there's a reporter out there in Florida for the TC Palm, that, uh he does some serious articles nowadays. But he was very well known for his off the beat column for the TC Palm, which uh, off the beat are just some wacky stories that he find. It's not hard in Florida to find wacky stories. So, but what Will Greenley does is he gives a little twist to his stories where he offers you. Information that you absolutely have no need for throughout the articles. Just random facts and lessons that he gives you. So let's get to this latest Will Greenlee. The headline reads Man destroys toilet in bathroom Bruhaha. <laughs> okay. Martin County, Florida. A man accused of destroying a toilet at the coconut bar was giving a notice to appear in court. In connection with the alleged commode cornage. Uh, Where am I at? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Blue screen. (laughs) No, not yet. Uh, The case of... The purported potty pulverizer began at 1.49 a.m. January 19th as a Martin County Sheriff's Deputy went to the Coconut, the 4700 block of Southeast Dixie uh, Highway. Emergency officials were called because a customer was breaking the toilet, the report states. The customer, later identified, as 25-year-old Newport Richie man whose occupation was listed as plumbing. <laughs> He'd been playing billiards tournament but got cut off from alcohol, the bartender told investigators. Uh, after being cut off, he left the coconut but returned during last call and tried to buy a beer, an alcoholic beverage involving the brewing and fermentation of cereals. Typical... Typically malted barley and flavored by means of hops. He goes greenly a couple of times in this article. It's not just one. He, uh, he really gives us a good show in this one. Uh, the man was asked to leave but refused. He said he wanted to use the restroom first. An unidentified person followed him to the restroom to ensure he uses it and leaves immediately. The man was accused of getting upset and removing the toilet lid and beating the toilet with it. So that's the equivalent of ripping off a man's arm and beating it with it. He, uh, he got pretty mad at the toilet. <laughs> and just in case you were wondering what a toilet was, Will Greenlee is going to educate you. Typically installed in bathrooms, a toilet is a receptacle into which a person defecates and or urinates. Or in some cases, they actually get drunk and throw up in Uh, It consists of a large bowl affixed to apparatus designed to flush away the urine and or fecal matter into a septic tank or sewer system. The toilet was destroyed and the man ran out. Investigators reported finding the man who denied knowing about the toilet. Uh, He eventually fessed up to busting the toilet. Referred to colloquy as a porcelain throne. (laughs) He was issued a notice to appear in court on criminal mischief charge. So that is your introduction to Mr. Will Greenlee. He does pop up every once in a while on the program, and and we love a good Will Greenlee. He's he's been able to define to us the history of the Anchor Tattoo and Popeye and so many things that we already knew about, but (laughs) it's always good to hear them in Will Greenlee speak. So
0: that's what I have today for new business. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We'll take a break and we'll come back to the meat of the show. Mayday, mayday. Hey This is US station 31. Can you read me? We found something in the ice. We need some help down here. Can anybody hear me? We found something. We found something. 12 men have just discovered something For 100,000 years It was buried in the snow and ice Now it has found a place to live Inside Where no one can see it or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human, some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself, it wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies, nobody left to kill it, and then it's won.
1: You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things!
0: are we? Who is Scary Dad and what are we about? And what do we do? So way back in the day, I guess around 2012, I wanted to start a Halloween blog talking about how to make homemade props and do yard haunt type stuff. And the internet being what it was, there wasn't a whole lot out there to, to, uh, well, I didn't even want to start a blog. I wanted to find one and discuss. I mean, there wasn't much out there. So I started one and started reaching out. And then... I had two kids, or I had a second kid, and kind of mothballed it, and then a couple years later, met Scott, and then we started talking about it, turned it into a podcast, and then it's just kind of developed from there. So, um, you know, kind of where we come from, what's our history, what's our, what's our we've already talked about Scooby-Doo, so that for me was a big one. (laughs) Every day when I was a little kid, you know, wake up from a nap, Scooby-Doo was on, and I'd watch them explore old haunted houses, and, you know, get chased by ghosts and monsters, and... It was great. So then got a little bit older, got into some of those uh, gateway horror films, you know, the the good ones like Jaws Thirty and uh, Poltergeist, and stuff that I sh- was probably too young to be watching, but everybody was watching it because in the 80s, parents just didn't care. We actually had jungle jumps, and our playgrounds weren't padded. And um, movies like The Beastmaster were rated PG, but had, you know, glowing earworms and Witches. Witches and... Sorcery. Lots and lots of boobs in them. So um, there's, you know, we kind of got messed up by the whole uh, 80s horror, -horror. non-horror. Everything in the 80s had a horror element to it, even if it wasn't a horror movie. So
1: They they utilized a lot of tropes back then throughout.
0: So uh, (laughs) even, even if you look at Disney in the late 70s, early 80s, they were doing stuff like the black hole and... You know, the Black Cauldron and stuff like that. It was good and scary. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's where I kind of come from. Scott, yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, as I've talked about before, my uh, my love of horror is interesting because it was pretty much it started off similar to yours as far as you know, seeing the spooky stuff on on TV, as far as Scooby Doo and stuff at at a real young age and. And then my dad passed away when I was nine. My mom was a single mom working. So me and my cousin Mark spent a shitload of time at the video store running VHS tapes on the weekends. Uh, and my mom had told the people at the VHS store, he can rent R-rated movies. That's fine. I don't mind. So I kind of <laughs> had a car to pick up whatever I wanted whenever I rode my bike there. And uh, just developed a love for these 80s cheesy horror movies that I would rent again and again and again and and, you know we'd pick out our movies because the VHS box looked cool and uh just that that just kind of spawned my love for horror I just I I, I, I enjoyed it so much watched a lot of movies that I shouldn't have been watching at (laughs) that age but I was a well-grounded kid you know I, I knew it was just movies uh you know it didn't I didn't have nightmares after most of them couple of them gave me the creeps you know first time seeing uh, friday the 13th that that gave me nightmares that, that kind of had me spooked a little bit but uh just growing up that's what gave me my fascination for movies and what's interesting is now at the age i'm at now because of this love i have for these 80s you know slasher movies it has given me a huge appreciation for independent film because now it seems as though the the ones that are staying true to that old uh uh, method and, uh, and formula for those 80s movies are the, the independent films that are coming out now. So mm-hmm. you'll find out that the podcast is, we're huge proponents of indie film. You know, we, we work with the Houston Horror Film Festival, of course, as you'll hear about also. I judge movies for the Texas Frightmare uh, Film Festival. It, uh, it, it, it We love horror. Now, one thing I also mm-hmm. want to let you guys know is we are not a movie podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we do talk about horror movies every once in a while that we love and that are coming out. And different horror movie themes, but we're we're not the typical horror podcast, and that that's not our primary goal. We talk about all things horror. We talk about things pop culture. Billy and I are also big comic book nerds, and uh, you know some of the, uh, the 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 primary comic book artists that that really got me into comic books was Bernie Wrightson with the Swamp Thing series. Uh, growing up in South Louisiana, which you'll hear about a lot too, because my South Louisiana is a huge influence on me because that's where I grew up. You'll know, hear lots of stories from there. Uh, Swamp Thing was the one that kind of hit home because it was based in Louisiana in the bayous where I grew up. Uh, so I got huge love for Bernie Wrights and the greatest horror artist you know ever. Uh, but I also enjoy stuff like Preacher. I enjoy, growing up, The Incredible Hawk and Batman were my two big ones. And I think I still have such a love for Batman because it's <clears throat> once... Once the theme the Dark Knight came out, it kinda of took a darker turn and, and, and you know, there, there's tons of just kind of dark horror tropes that are involved with the Batman series. So you'll hear us talk about that kind of stuff. It uh Yeah, it's definitely it, our podcast can't be really pigeonholed into one type of horror podcast. Well,
0: yeah, and when we do movies chip typically and we haven't done it in a while, we need to get back to it. But um, we actually have a feature that we, we've done quite a bit called Fresh Eyes. Um, Fresh Eyes, the, the rules of the game are we're, we, we take something that is, it's a well-known horror classic that everybody's seen, that, that we've seen so much that, that we pretty much just know it back and forth, and the idea is to put it on, you know, play it from credit to credit, and then Forget everything you know about the movie and pretend like you're watching it in the theater for the first time. So imagine, you know, imagine you're watching Jaws for the first time, the first time that that shark emerges from the water whenever he's uh, coming at the, uh, the, the, the rowing coach and you see that huge sideways torpedo of a shark with its mouth open like what would that have done to you in a theater in 1975, you know? What's what? What's that sort you know, like the first time you see The Fly, and you're like, it's so just nasty and gory and visceral. And, you know, we, we were watching, I was watching that when I was, you know, 11 years old. And it was like, we were talking about, was going, oh, he puked on the guy. Oh, so gross. But whenever you watch it as it's meant to be seen in the theater, like we can't watch it in the theater, but we watch it as if we were in the theater. And then we come back and it really did open up a whole lot of perspective on a lot of stuff that we were just like, wow, it's like watching it for the first time. Right. Like I've never noticed this thing before. And, um, so yeah, we need to get back to fresh eyes. Cause that was a real fun feature. That oh, yeah. we do Every yeah. now and then. Um, we're also big music nerds. Um, you know, heavy metal. I mean, I come up in the age, you know, my dad was, was a DJ. So I had a whole, whole album collection of classic rock um from the you know 50s 60s and 70s that was just kind of at my disposal so my dad uh was in bands in houston and he knew folks like he he knew people like billy gibbons and then when he was a dj he met lots of people in bands and so he'd met like you know jefferson airplane and and those guys and so he had a whole bunch of really kick-ass stories of you know hanging out with these guys and drinking beer after shows and you know driving him around in his little vw bug you know stuff like that so um i've always been big music and you know it's like you're gonna laugh when i say this but like kind of around that mid 1985 86 87 we did an entire show on 1987 the movies and music and that that year i would have been 11 years old um 11 turning 12 and so, you know, you're Predator and Robocop, but at the same time you have, like, Def Leopards, Hysteria is coming out, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, you know, stuff like that, where where kind of the rock and roll world just really woke up. You know, it had been a lot of Yacht Rock and a whole lot of uh, overproduced studio, quote-unquote, like, pop metal. Um Things like Guns N Roses woke us up to the underground things, you know, that, that that you know, LA heavy metal like Metallica and mm-hmm. you know, British British heavy metal like Iron Maiden and stuff like that. So there's a there's a serious satanic panic throwback element to our because I was living I was there, dude. I was right in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> I, was, like I told you, Rolf yeah,
1: came I, to I, my hometown. Yeah, Rawalda came <laughs> to Scott's town.
0: I mean We had, you know, lectures in, in, I went to a private school, so we had lectures in church and in school about the dangers of things like Motley Crue and Skeletor and everything in between. It's like everything we touched was just oozing with with evil, like in um, Time Bandits. Like, don't touch it, it's evil. And of course, like... Any good red blooded American, I reached right in there and touched that mofo. And <laughs> so now here I am, all this, all these years later, doing a horror podcast and <laughs> writing books about you know human sacrifice and stuff. So um, yeah, it's pretty rad. We have a good time here. Oh
1: yeah, um, and our music tastes definitely vary. I, you know, I was similar growing up, but just I remember stories from my mom. You know, back when she was growing up in Louisiana during the days of segregation, you know, when some of the prominent black artists would travel through, they would play in these little hole-in-the-wall clubs in these low, small Creole towns and everything, and she used to tell me stories of seeing James Brown come through and seeing him at the club, uh, I continued to turn a review, and uh, she, she was huge into Zodico music, which she would have me in the Zodico clubs when I was... 11 12 years old till two o'clock in the morning just and it gave me a huge appreciation for live music and and that's one of the things that really helped with my uh, my love of music is just seeing these bands live learning about them and it gave me a huge range of music that i that i enjoyed and i love it because my kids are kind of the same way the only thing is they don't listen to a lot of country but my, my kids have kind of and it's one thing you hear about all the time on this podcast is my kids i talk about my two <laughs> kids a lot uh, you know, I was thinking on the way over here is my son is at a point now, and it's really a beautiful thing, man. Is he'll find an artist or music or person, and he'll do a deep dive into everything he likes because he has to learn everything about it. You know, he has to learn how did it start. You know exactly what what was the lore, where they've been, where they've come from. He has to go through the entire catalog. It's it's, it's a and, he got that from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had him listening to all this even, with everything, even with video games. You know, my son's first video game system that, that I gave him, Super Nintendo system. That's what he learned was a SNES. He mm-hmm. learned video games there, so he has an appreciation of everything from back then and where things now came from. And it's it's an awesome feeling, man.
0: That's a, that's the old way of reading the record, the the album covers, learning all the lyrics. Yeah. You know, reading reading the acknowledgments, seeing the names of the bands that they toured with. Um, you know, special thanks to so and so in this town. And you look that band up and you find out that they're, they're, you know, they're a famous band that you just hadn't heard of mm-hmm. because we didn't have the internet, you couldn't just click links. It was, you know, like, oh cool, you know, but um, but yeah, big time. We are also, like he says, you know, we're comic nerds, but we are also real, just kind of vintage themed, yes. so like. You know, if I can find a movie on VHS and watch it, I will choose that over DVD or Blu-ray. Strangely enough, I know a lot. There's a lot of uh, video files on the on the Legion Podcast Network. <laughs> You'll find us to kind of be in the opposite direction on a throwback sort of way. And um, there's reasons behind it. A lot of times, um, you can find some really kick-ass old movies that are no longer in print, um, and you get them for like seventy-nine cents at the Goodwill store or or whatever. But then also I found that, especially with a lot of these old horror films that were shot on low budget, they were shot on cheap film or maybe even video to begin with, that whenever they did the digital transfers and they put them into HD and they they cleaned them up, that it lost a lot of the magic that, um, I I mean, that's the best way to describe it, is if you watch a magician do a coin trick, right, Or, or, or any kind of sleight of hand, you know, there is the, 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 the deception. There's the trick itself Mm -hmm. that makes it seem as if the coin disappeared. And if you know how the trick's done, it's usually pretty simple and it kind of ruins the magic for you. So whenever you like, um, and I remember the first one that really got me, well, first it was wizard of Oz, you know, we're like, Oh, Hey, we're going to let the kids watch wizard of Oz. And it was on like Netflix or something. And we played it and it was frightening because it looked like a soundstage. You could see all the plastic, all the plants were plastic, yeah. all the colors were just way oversaturated and bright. And it just looked fake. It right. did not look like a magical fantasy world. It looked frightening and scary. And the next one, strangely enough, was Friday the thirteenth. It was like part six or something. It was those got a got a DVD and threw it in there. And it looked fake. It looked like a guy in a plastic mask walking around, you know, a a, a a set with plastic plants all around. It just all looked fake and rubbery. Right. And you put the you put the VHS in there, and it's got that little bit of soft on the screen. It's got maybe a little tracking or whatever, yeah. but it goes back, and then it just looks like an actual. It looks like a guy killing people in a in a in a summer camp. Right. And so I started going to VHS and. Um, now I watch VHS and they don't have the stuff that's fixed and it looks, it looks real it, <laughs> right. looks, it
1: looks good so just um, well, like we talked about with Joe Sophi before the the use of practical effects back then which uh which we must prefer PI over here is uh one of the things they depended on was that that roughness of the taping to hide things like lines and cords and and, and different things and and so when you look at a movie like Friday the Thirteenth Part Three on VHS compared to uh, digital on a DVD, you can you can see the line, you can see the cord of the snake that jumps out of the rabbit cage. You know the VHS kind of hides that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely makes makes a big difference in your movie enjoyment.
0: Totally, we're, but we're always hunting the stacks. You know, creeping around um, a, a goodwill. That's you know, kind of a hobby of ours. To so kind of kind of. Dig through, see what we can find, you know, make our own costumes for Halloween, um, you know, stuff like that. We are real big into the maker and crafter community here local. Um, So much so that we actually started our own event back in uh, 2017 called Scary Dad's Haunted Halloween Show. And um, we're big fans of Texas Frightmare Weekend, which is a big horror convention. Um, it's a convention and film festival, it's a celebrity event, and they have a whole bunch of vendors just making really cool, unique um, stuff. And we were like, man, we we, we want to be a part of that. So we started our own kind of small vendor event, made it very local-centric, did um, you know our first couple of years, it grew and grew, and then obviously 2020 kind of torpedoed us, but for... Uh, 2021, we have partnered with the Houston Horror Film Festival, and in 2021, we've uh, done one event, we've got two planned, and then a third one in in September that we're going to do, yes. which is which is our show, the Haunted Halloween show. Um, but yeah, we, we're real big into the horror maker community here. I um, know lots of folks that make movies, that make uh, music, that make. Not, write authors. A lot of authors that write horror stories. Um, I've had my own work featured on the No Sleep podcast a few times, so I'm actually a horror writer as well as a podcaster. So um, our pedigrees are pretty, <laughs> pretty decent, um, you know, and we're always looking for something new, and we're excited to be part of the Legion podcast network. But one thing that we are doing differently, if you've listened to our last couple of shows, including our first show on Legion, is we are now inviting guests. Um, We picked around the edges of having guests here and there for the last 169 episodes, 170 episodes, but now we're getting way into it. So we're actually reaching out and actively recruiting, you know, pretty much anybody in that entire cadre of stuff that we just described. If you're a horror movie fan, if you're a horror maker, if you're a filmmaker or a podcaster or a movie reviewer or a writer or anything that, that involves any of this stuff, uh, we welcome you to come on the show, be a guest host. We, you don't have to be local to us. Um, you have to be local to you as long as you've got an internet connection and a Zoom, Zoom account. Um, then we can, we can hop on and we can talk horror for an hour and uh, have a grand old time. So if you're interested in doing that, um, you see our links in the show notes, thescarydad.com. You can uh, click in there. You can join us up on Facebook or Instagram or any of the other things. Um, hell, you can just send us an instant message and we'll schedule you on. And yeah, We'll do it like that. So,
1: And also, if you get a chance, check out our Facebook page, Scary Dad's Haunted Forum, and we have lots of extra content there, actually. Uh, you, can, you can find out information on, on movie anniversaries, birthdays. We do videos on there, uh, our Zoom interviews that we, we do videos on. We do posts to the Facebook page. Uh, it's a fun time. If people are engaged, you know, uh, it, it, it's a good time. So definitely check out the Scary Dad's Haunted Forum on Facebook.
0: And I think we're going to go ahead and close down episode 171 because we've got to record episode 172. Um, <laughs> we we usually do two shows at once. So, you know, there's a good chance that if you want to be a guest on a show, you can be a guest on two shows depending on what your time looks like. <laughs> so uh, hit us up. Again, hit us up in the forum. We love to talk horror. Uh, we love it when people disagree with us. So, um if if we talk about something and we're just like oh we hated it and you're like man this is the best movie in the world dude tell us hit us up we we will uh, we we won't take you to task we'll you know we'll friend, friendly banter we'll argue pretty pretty nicely and um, yeah that's that's about what I got so um, if you'd like to support the show too you can go run right over to the uh, Houston Horror Film Festival pop up market. There's a lot of uh, good, good, scary dad and uh, HHF merch popping up almost every other day that we're we're getting set up. It's uh, not a zazzle shop either. We're actually <laughs> supporting local vendors. Yes. So um, you support us. You support some uh, some really great folks as well. And with that, uh, we'll see you next week. And until then, keep it scary. Later.